This is the Subscription Rockstars podcast, brought to you by Subly, the number one subscription e-commerce platform. This podcast is where entrepreneurs, marketers, and business owners learn tactics to grow their subscription revenue with your host, Stefan Pretty. Hey, everybody. I am Stefan, the CEO and founder of Subly, and uh, coming to you from another COVID episode. Uh, so we are recording this through Zoom today again, and hopefully soon we'll be able to fly around the globe and actually do them in person, which would be really nice. So today I have a very special guest. Her name is Chelsea Brennan, and uh, she co-founded Little Life Box uh, with her mother back in 2013, and they are from Montreal in Canada. So uh, I believe that Chelsea is bilingual, so we can talk about that in a little second. And uh, Little Life Box became the top healthy subscription box in Canada. Chelsea is also the lead account manager at Billy Social. Therefore, she is an expert in the realm of social media marketing strategy and even training their clients as well, which is pretty cool. So first of all, Chelsea, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a really interesting uh, project that you've got going on here, Little Life Box. Um, I want to dive into that. I've actually got a lot of different questions for you. I've got some personal ones, uh, also one specific to Little Life Box. And then at the end, I've got a quick fire round that I want to go through with you, uh, which is just a bit of fun, really. But um, first of all, can, can you give me a little bit about Little Life Box? What, what is it, first of all? So Little Life Box is a seasonal subscription box um, full of healthy products. So it's a mix of snacks, beauty, skincare, wellness items, could be like supplements, could be eco-friendly toothbrush. So really it's just a variety of healthy products and the goal is to help you discover new healthy alternatives in a fun and affordable way. Cool. Yeah, uh, when I was looking at the website, I noticed that although my understanding originally and initially was that it's food uh, and healthy food items. It's actually not. It's broader than that, isn't it? You go into lots of different things. Is that a recent change? Um, I would say that it did start out off a little bit more food uh, when we were on, in the monthly model. But now mm -hmm. that we're seasonal, it's one box every three months. Uh, it's, uh, I would say, even more skincare, beauty, wellness focused and less snacks. Okay. Because uh, we want to provide more value, and there is a little bit more value often in the in the skincare and uh, and beauty side of the. Uh, it of does the seem to be ex exploding right now. The whole uh, skincare and beauty side of things online, and I'm not entirely sure why that that seems to have lagged. But I guess that's something I'm going to have to do some research into. Um, <laughs> can you share a vanity metric about um, Little Life Box that you're comfortable sharing? So, for example, uh, number of shipments or you know customer serve because it sounds like you guys have had some seriously good traction and I would love to hear about that and let the audience hear about that so they have some context. Yeah, sure. I mean, numbers fluctuate from, from month to month and now seasonal, you know, we made the seasonal change. So mm. it's almost like we were starting from scratch, but over, since the beginning, we've reached 22,000, a little over 22,500 nice. customers. That's great. That's really cool. And yeah. it's a nice narrow niche. That's, uh, that's really impressive, actually. Awesome. Congratulations on that. So quickly, before we move along from the introduction to Little Life Box, uh, why did you make the shift from monthly to quarterly? Um, it was just, I th we had been doing the monthly for about five years. And we're, you know, health focused, but also trying to make things uh, trying to favor local products as much as possible. So at one point, we were finding 15 different products a month. After five years, it started to become a little bit more challenging to keep things new and fresh in the box all the time. Mm -hmm. And we did find that our customers were staying on for about three months. 
not because they didn't like it. It was just too much. At one point, they still had products from the first and second box to finish. So we were like, okay, there's the, there has to be a solution here where maybe it, it, it becomes easier for us to find product and also where the customer doesn't feel like they have too many products because mm -hmm. that's definitely not a smart way to be doing business. So yeah, that kind of started our thinking into transitioning to the seasonal box. And we did a bunch of surveys and just found that, you know, it would be a win-win all around for everyone, more time for us to procure the products and more value where we'd be charging more one box every three months instead of every month. It just ended up being a really good move for us. And we're mm. really happy that we made that change. Yeah, I can imagine that probably made life a little bit less stressful um, for starters. And, and obviously it bought you more time to be able to prepare for each shipment. Uh, to give it more consideration and thought, and uh, as you said, provide more value. Did you find that the lifetime value of your customers went up after making that switch? Yes, yes, uh, we're okay. finding a lot less cancellations. I guess because you know the monthly with the monthly model, it's you're, you're getting charged once a month, yeah. or sometimes people prepay for the year. So n definitely not in that case, but. Yeah. For the monthly members, it's a reminder every month they've got a charge on their card for their box. Now it's once every three months and it's $45. I feel like it's maybe something that's a little bit more like really a gift to self, more affordable. People are looking forward to it because it's only once every three months. Mm. Um, so definitely it helped with our churn rate and um, a lot less cancellations and uh, people really finding that the I think the box has a lot more value and it's just overall much better. I know a couple of businesses that have done that as well. So I do appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into these questions. I, I just wanted to go through that first because I feel like that's quite an important detail. So yeah. what, what was the inspiration for starting it? I mean, you're technically one of the OGs because when, when I founded Subly, that was back in 2014. Um, you founded this in 2013. You were way ahead of the curve. How did that happen? It was actually because I wanted to subscribe to a subscription box that was similar in the States. I don't believe it exists anymore, but uh, they didn't ship to Canada. So I started doing some research and found that there was nothing. Then I was like really interested in the subscription box idea. And I started looking and there was nothing much in subscription box in, in Canada. So I was like, wow, that's a really good idea. And I've always been really into, you know, health and wellness and my mother as well. And she was kind of looking for a project at that time. And uh, we just kind of bounced the idea off each other and thought it was, why not give it a try? That's awesome. How did you find the relationship with uh, your mom and working with the business together? Was that, was it challenging at times? Uh, yes, but I have, I really, my mom's my best friend. Sounds, sounds cheesy, but <laughs> it's the truth. And I'm so lucky to have uh, somebody. She's so just so calm and easygoing that it really, I've been really lucky. We've have rarely had arguments we really often see eye to eye my father joined in on, on the business development side of things when things started taking off to help out Your family business uh, yeah <laughs> uh, so i would say that that there's maybe a little bit more friction on that end okay. because he's he's uh yeah, he's definitely more of um, an entrepreneur and uh yeah a little bit more hard-headed i would say <laughs> so <clears throat> the relationship got a can be a little bit uh difficult there sometimes, but overall it's been amazing. Ultimately what you ended up doing was a scratch your own itch business. There's not that many businesses that I get to talk to the founders of it and they were, you know, around from 
way back in 2013. And I know we're saying way back, it's not that long ago, yeah. but in the context of the subscription industry, it really is. Yeah. Another question I have for you is, how did you come up with the name? What is the story behind Little Life Box as a name? My mom actually came up with the name. I think at first it was Life Box. The whole idea was healthy living. The whole idea was trying to make help people make better choices. Mm -hmm. We were thinking about our footprint and our ecological footprint and having a little footprint. And it just kind of went, came from there really. Um, and the whole idea of like life in a box, mm. we were just thinking about the fact that there was so much variety, so much color. It really was like, you opened it and you're like, wow. So yeah, life. And then my mom just thought, what about little, like little life box? So yeah, it was just a, it was mostly her idea. It's nice. It's a cute name. Was that something that came to you immediately or did it kind of take time to get to that point where you knew what the name was? No, it really came pretty, pretty quickly. Mm. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you've faced to date in the, in the business? I would say probably most people say this. It's figuring out the customer, figuring out what the mm. customer wants. How do you keep that customer and continuously pushing and innovating to keep them on board. Yeah. And your background's marketing, isn't it? That probably helped you recognize that you needed to be really, really clear on who the customer is and mm -hmm. uh, how to how to communicate with them as well as get in front of them as well. I think a lot of people miss these really basic principles. That's not wrong. You have to go through the process to learn them. But considering you had a marketing background, I can imagine that probably helped. If you were to start again, what, what would, is there anything that you would do differently? I would say that if I couldn't go back, I would I would have started with the seasonal model mm. <laughs> sooner. We did have a lot of great learnings and I think we're much more solid as a company now. And so I wouldn't change it for that, but definitely makes much more sense now in the seasonal model. And I just wish we had done it sooner. Any additional challenges come up and how did you handle that transition period in terms of communication, the customers? And a lot of people feel like they're stuck in a corner basically when they commit to their business and their idea and their model. And really the reality of a, a startup is that you have to be able to adapt and, and change direction if it makes sense based on the evidence. So how did you handle that process? You know, it was really just going through the layers of the business. You know, we started by introducing the seasonal model uh, alongside the monthly to just start, you know, getting people used to the language, seeing the interest uh, what were people when they had the choice, which one were they going for? And then eventually starting to really push the seasonal more. And then we just eliminated the monthly. And there was a bit of a process in, in letting our current customers know that we were switching over. But in general, we were able to keep a lot of, of our members. A lot of people were actually quite disappointed that they weren't mm. going to receive the box on a monthly basis anymore. But I think for those that have tried the seasonal, uh, it's an overall, you know, feeling of, of, uh, of satisfaction because you are getting much more for your money. And, um, I just am much more proud of the box. Now it's really, we're able to curate it to exactly the way we like it. Whereas with the monthly it was, um, basically we were run constantly running after product and it was more of a, at the end, we take what we can get. Mm. Um, versus now we really hand pick every item and um, yeah so our customers I think that are, are uh, the ones that stuck with us are are happy. Was there any strategies for handling the people who weren't happy did you did you 
give them something as, a, as an apology or did you just say I'm sorry that obviously this is not going to be you know it's not going to work out anymore you know that's definitely something we can work on there's always stuff you can work on especially in the, in the subscription world, trying to retain our customers. Mm. I don't like the fight so much because I understand you can't keep your customer for, forever. It's normal at one point that they will take a break. I do say that we have a lot of returning customers. Some people that were with us back in 2015, 2016 that are back. Mm. You know, sometimes we have gift boxes, uh, one-time gift boxes, theme boxes, and you'll see the people that are subscribed that are adding those boxes to their carts. So we do have a lot of loyal customers. But we did when we do the we did the transition, we offered their they we were gonna switch them and their first seasonal box was gonna be at the price of the monthly. So we basically gave it was like a fifteen or twenty dollar discount and they were just gonna get did that work? Did you find that people just accepted that offer? Yeah, mostly. And have you found the 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 current situation, obviously the coronavirus uh pandemic is still kind of in effect uh depending on where you are in the world have you found that it has impacted you i mean like what you're doing uh with little life box is about self-care basically wellness mm -hmm. right yeah so have you found that people are paying more attention to the those types of things and has it helped has it boosted your your growth mm -hmm. i would say it has it's been a boost but also we have lost some people as well because of the circumstances um, you know, it is, it is a gift to self. It's not a necessity. So um, people are treating themselves. So it's not everybody that can allow, you know, that can afford that. But we have seen definitely an increase in sales and, uh, uh, you know, just overall uh, traffic on our channels. Yeah, I think overall e-commerce has definitely come out on on top given the, the, mm -hmm. the current situation. So in terms of growth, actually, uh, I want to segue into another question specific to that. What, what marketing strategies have you found uh, work really well for not necessarily your business, but in general, what do you think works well for subscription businesses? Actually, let's let's ask that uh, from mm -hmm. a marketing and growth perspective. I think it probably is different according to different companies. For me personally, Little Lifebox, number one is newsletters mm. and i know that it's probably not unanimous some people say the email is dead <laughs> but for us it's i would say moving forward our main strategy is growing our email list it works really well and just the way that we can segment newsletters reactivate subscriptions and target specific customers according to certain actions that they've done mm. is uh in terms of you know um investment definitely the uh the return is is uh, really good for us. It's interesting because, as you said, a lot of people say email is dead, and but then every now and again, I'll come across uh, an individual or a business who have found that it's actually better than ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. That it's driving business way better than any other medium, and I and I wonder if that's because people are assuming that it's dead, that it's actually become a bit more of a ripe, um, you know, place to, and way to market their business. Yeah, I don't like the word newsletter. I think people assume that that means it's just like a curation of news. But mm. I've seen newsletters done in such an impressive way where it's educational, underlying all of it is promoting the business and the service, but it's also adding value. Is, is that kind of a similar approach that you would recommend? Is, um, is there a, a, a process or an approach for you to say, this is what's going to make it onto the newsletter? Because we don't do any other, we, basically we bootstrap company, but also we have hardly invested in marketing. Right now, we have no marketing budget running right now. Like everything is organic. Everything is social media, uh, influencers receiving the box, talking about it. 
So it's really been word of mouth for us. Mm. We do allow ourselves because of that to be a little bit more promotional when it comes to newsletters because we're not bombarding people with ads on social media and mm. and through other other mediums. But I would say that it is important, I think, to have that balance to feel like the customer who's opening the email is not always going to be pushed to buy something, but they're going to receive something. Yeah. So make them want to open your email know that they're going to receive a few articles about healthy living, healthy tips, or maybe a fun contest they can participate in, or could be a discount as well, or maybe even promoting some of our partners and products that are in our boxes, offering certain discounts, for example, to some of our partners' products. Hmm. Um, I just feel like it's important for the for the customer to feel like they're getting something out of it. So as long as they feel like they're getting something out of it, it doesn't necessarily have to be educational or uh, quote unquote, the value that people typically assume with content, like you're writing something to help them and, or educate them or level them up. But it could be as simple as giving them discount, as you said. It, it sounds mm -hmm. like you've actually built a community in this newsletter. Yeah, I feel like we definitely have. It's a constant work in progress and it's definitely something that I'm loving to learn about more and more now as uh, technology advances and you know we have all these different capabilities in terms of segmenting it's uh mm. yeah it's fascinating that's awesome hand on heart we've neglected email so much at subly um so this is a great time to be talking about it because we've <laughs> been kind of having an internal discussion about it um yeah. are, are there any are there any tools that you recommend because um we have actually just integrated with clavio and and uh, clavio and drip and um, are, are those ones that you would recommend for, for the listeners? I'm not sure I know much about Clavio or Clavio. I don't know how to, how to say the name, but Drip is actually our, our newsletter platform. Okay. I've, I've heard um, great things about it. It is great. Um, we used to work with MailChimp. I'd have to say that um, I don't know if we would have switched over to Drip had it not been for um, MailChimp no longer integrating with Shopify. Because mm. for us to be able to track those conversions and have that e-commerce, e you know, the, the platforms talking to each other is really important. Yeah. And MailChimp, unfortunately, no longer does that with Shopify. So that's ma the main reason why we switched over to Drip. Also because Drip does allow for a little bit more deeper segmenting. But I uh, love both platforms and I'm, I'm, I am in the process of learning a lot more about Drip, but uh, I can say that so far, I, I really like it. Nice. Yeah, that was, I remember that about the, the MailChimp and um, Shopify uh, situation. I think it was quite political, if I recall correctly. That's, that's unfortunate that it's affected yeah. you, though. Um, that's a bummer. Okay, so, you know, you've been doing it for a while now. And uh, was there a specific moment in time where you felt like this is a success or do you feel like you're always working towards that? It's always working towards it. I think for me, the first moment, and it wasn't in success in the sense that like, oh my God, like we're huge. It was the moment that I quit my full-time job to do mm. Little Lifebox full-time. I would say that was when I was like, wow, this is actually something and we're on to something, which was in the first year, 2013. That's yeah. fast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're bootstrapped as well, which is, that makes it even more impressive. I mean, you, you must be a weapon when it comes to marketing. I must say that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've, I've learned a lot and it was a lot of learning on this on, as we were going. So it was mm -hmm. like, okay, we don't know about this. Let me learn about it. You know, thanks to technology, you can learn a lot yourself. I've been lucky to be surrounded with people that have taught me a lot too. I mean, my parents, who were entrepreneurs before knew mm. a lot about, you know, starting businesses and um, 
we work with freelancers, photographer, content creators, web developers. I've had partners in the past. So it was like, I can't definitely can't take credit for, for everything. I was uh, very well surrounded. I guess there's a good takeaway for listeners that you got to surround yourself with people who are going to help you learn and level up. And was there a reason you chose to uh, bootstrap, by the way? and not not raise around was that maybe because of the influence of the people around you or is that a decision that you specifically made and was there a reason for that it was just that we were going it was day by day and and things just went well on their own and <laughs> we didn't really feel like we needed to we were kind of slowly taking the strides and growing and i would say now 7 years in that we would we're ready now Mm-hmm. because and it was important for us to really just understand the business and really feel solid and like all our systems were in place before thinking of okay let's go get partners or let's get financing and um investments and stuff like that it's uh, something that we would be ready for now i would say after 7 years yeah i think that's a very healthy approach to you know the topic of investment and external funding because it seems to be that you know i was having a conversation with somebody earlier about how businesses are uh, you know, the, the world of VC funding is is extremely unhealthy because it's just about chasing the next round, the next round, the next round, and they're still mm-hmm. running at a loss. And then they're just hoping that one day they're going to turn a profit or change the variables and suddenly it's going to start yielding a profit. But anyway, we can relate. We're bootstrapped. So we're yeah. All <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another important question, I think I've seen a couple of people on our Facebook group asking this about, you know, I'm thinking about hiring somebody to do uh, you know, a vir- virtual assistant to do customer support or whatnot. Uh, and and this question kind of comes up over and over again. And I feel like it's important to get insight from other entrepreneurs who have gone on the bootstrap journey, actually, and are thinking of hiring somebody. And when's the right time to hire somebody? At what point did, did you go, okay, I think now we need to hire this person and I'm going to delegate that specific task that I've been doing myself. I think that, you know, as entrepreneurs, you can, a lot of us have a hard time delegating because we we don't want to lose control. We want to make sure the standards exactly the way we want it. And uh, it can be hard sometimes to trust other people, but I think it's important to be able to do that. We have freelancers that we work with on pretty much all the levels. And mm-hmm. I think that if you're not ready to hire someone, that's fine. Uh, you can do a lot yourself. But at one point, you get to a point where you can't be an expert in everything. And I think it's really important to let the experts or the people that are really good in that or dedicate their time to that to help you and to mm-hmm. take over. So you can really focus your energy where you, you're you good and in what what you're good at at your business. I actually read a book called The Big Leap, I think it was called. And they talk about the four zones, genius, excellence, competency, and incompetency. And, and they say in the book that you should focus uh, as much of your time as possible in the zone of genius, which is what gives you energy, and then versus like uh, excellence, which is the next one down, and then so on until incompetency. And uh, it sounds like I think that's what you're basically saying, that you should be trying to do as much of the genius stuff, the stuff that you're really good at, and delegate as much of the other stuff as possible uh, mm-hmm. that somebody else might be a genius at. It's tough though. I mean, letting go, as you said, and trusting in other people to do it as good as yeah. you envis- envisage it in your head. But I also see other people who th- I think maybe are jumping the gun a little bit and they're trying to hire too too soon and too quickly. Mm. And I, I feel like, for example, customer support, when you're close to the customer, you get so much value out of mm-hmm. um, being close to them for as long as possible. So in terms of your CS, is that something you've started to outsource? 
or was there a point in time where you decided to make that switch? No, we actually still do all of oh, our wow. customer service. Yeah. Ourselves, like we, we share the emails like amongst ourselves in different departments, but I would say that it's important to have that. I haven't, I still need that. Like I still need to, to see the, get the feedback uh, from our customers and see where the problems are or where we've ex- excelled or, you know, it's very important to have that, but I don't necessarily recommend, I don't say that the way we're doing it is the best, mm. I'm, uh, but also I feel like you can have a tendency to want to be on all the time, especially now with messenger, you've got people messaging you through DM on Instagram, mm. you have people messaging you through messenger, and then you've got your live chat on your website, and then you've got your emails. And at one point it can be just overwhelming. And I think it's important to realize that you don't have to be on all the time, that it's okay that to respond within a respected amount of time to your customers, but to not stress too much about, you know, having to be on all the time because you'll just be working all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. never ending. So It is never yeah. ending. It's a really interesting topic as well. I, th- I think it, it's amazing that you've continued to do the support with the uh, core team. As you, as you were saying, it's kind of like a, a, a secret a weapon that you get to see into the business and see the problems and fix them and come up with solutions for them and by staying close to the customer so i, I really love that and but as you said the the, the mental well-being aspect of it and always being on is is yeah. can, can be very hard to set a boundary for that yeah i think it's if you can outsource like i know for us it's manageable because the volume is manageable at this mm-hmm. point I, i'll turn the live chat on when i feel like it same thing for my mom we'll answer questions on a you know daily basis without going overboard but it's manageable i know people in the subscription industry that it's out of hand and so they they've outsourced for example a lot of the customer service especially live chat and social media to companies that actually do that and mm-hmm. that's very smart at least for the general support i guess another thing that i wanted to ask about you i saw that you guys had won some awards is that right yeah yeah with um uh, a year of boxes actually is the first company that uh did a subscription box awards they're doing one in canada and the states this is the second year in a row and they're basically the biggest subscription box directory definitely in canada mm. i don't know about the states but they're probably up there as well we won this year for best vegan box and nice. last year was best box under 30 at that time with the monthly our box was under 30 dollars. congratulations that's really amazing as i mentioned at the beginning when i introduced you the uh, again to the listeners chelsea also you're an account manager at billy social and uh you're working on the social media side of things there. So first of all, what is Billy Social and and how how did that come about? So yeah, I've been doing Little Lifebox for seven years now and everything's streamlined. We have freelancers that we work with and I just got to a point with the seasonal box. It's a lot less work. Everything's super manageable. If I plan everything and program everything in advance, I have time to do other things. I'm very passionate about wellness, but I'm also very passionate about marketing. And so I really wanted to push that side of things and get really get into the world of marketing. Um, and a friend of mine from high school has the agency called Billy Social, and she was looking for somebody to help her with uh, social media. So that's and she was at WeWork actually, and uh, <laughs> I just hopped on board with her, um, and I've been there for about a year now. I just love hearing that you've got your business so streamlined and basically managing itself. It sounds like. And uh, that's really exciting. I'm sure some of the listeners will love to hear that because, you know, obviously at the very beginning of a business, it can be so chaotic and stressful and 
but there are there is light at the end of the tunnel and depending on what yeah. your goals are as well like you know mm-hmm. for for you it sounds like your goal that is your goal like to have that and it's like a it's a passion project but it's also a successful passion project and now you're able to work yeah. on other projects how do you handle that workload though because you basically got two two jobs essentially yeah i'm pretty busy but uh, you've got an apple watch i, I can see your apple watch as well <laughs> i i, I, I would never be able to cope, cope with one <laughs> no no, because oh, it'd be tapping me all the time. <laughs> too much. Yeah, no, I've got some, uh, I've regulated my notifications. Okay. It's a, it's great because it tells me, get up, take a minute <laughs> breather. And I need that because if not, I can just be in front of my computer for hours and not see the time go by. That's definitely one thing is having structure to my day is really important. Like I need to have everything planned. I plan my lunch. I plan my workout. I plan my, if I'm going to sit and listen to a podcast, it's planned in my schedule. I don't think I would be able to do it if I didn't have that somewhat of a structure. Everything into your calendar, literally like Mm -hmm. at this time, I'm going to do this. The more my calendar fills up, the, the, it just becomes obvious what gaps are appearing. And then when you get to those gaps, if you've not got something in it, it's like, oh, what am I meant to be doing now? Because you start to live by the calendar almost. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Are there any tactical things? I mean, obviously we just mentioned the calendar there, but are there any tactical things that you have implemented that have made your life easier day to day? I would say that definitely the schedule is a life changer for me, but everybody works in different ways. Uh, I have a very structured morning like and i think it's very important to balance your day not just with work so i plan time so if i know i need some downtime in between two working sessions i'll plan okay i'm going to take an hour and listen to a podcast because that's Mm -hmm. like self-care or it's just something that i like doing sometimes it'll be to to sit and play guitar but it's scheduled time that i know that's going to do me really well so that when i go into my next working session i'm focused and i'm able to like give 100% because if not if you don't take those breaks I just don't see how you could be efficient do you do you meditate yeah every day I love meditation but I struggle to turn it into a habit for some reason and and I need to do it it's It's not easy I can I can I can do I can turn exercise into a habit very easily but yeah meditation I just struggle with it I don't know why yeah it's <laughs> any, difficult any tips? actually the thing that changed that things for me was the book the miracle morning okay it uh, basically talks about the most successful people and entrepreneurs and how how they spend the first hour of their day is the most important thing because Hmm. that determines how the rest of your day is going to go ever since i read that book it's been two years now every single morning i do my miracle morning which is meditation exercise reading journaling and affirmations and it's about an hour in the morning but um I find that my if if I don't have take the time to at least meditate some days I skip out on the journaling or if mm. I don't have time but especially the meditation I feel a big difference if I don't do it and sometimes it could be just a 5 minute meditation but I feel like if you really are able to fit it into your routine it's uh, it does have a big impact I'm going to read that book <laughs> Yeah it's really good I appreciate the recommendation on that one. <laughs> on your LinkedIn, you described yourself as passionate and a disciplined person. And uh, and I was wondering, how, how do you maintain like that professional discipline? Because I know a lot of people out there who are solo entrepreneurs or they're self-managed because they're working at a startup, for example. What would you say to them to help stay disciplined? I think you have to find something, that, a way to discipline that yourself that works for you. Some people don't work at all well on a schedule. So it's really just testing and finding out what works for you. 
Um, is it writing a, a to-do list? Is it mm. uh, voice memos? Is it scheduling the time in your calendar? Or is it just going with the flow? Some people, that's their, the best solution. I would say that loving what you do is a big thing. I love what I do. So I'm motivated to make my schedule in the morning or, or plan my to-do list because I I'm excited about it. If you don't like what you do, it's going to be hard to stay disciplined and hard to uh, stay motivated. Um, but also little things like just, oh, making my coffee makes me so happy. So if I sit down with my coffee and like, you know, light a little candle, have a nice little clean desk set up, it's also like an extra motivation for me to like get in the zone and, and stay focused. Almost like a reward built into it. I've gone through all the questions. So I want to turn into the quick fire round now. I suspect you've answered one of them uh, in terms of the book question. But uh, the mm-hmm. first one I have is, what's what's your superpower? Probably um, optimism. Okay. Um, I think that it can be really easy to get, especially when you're like running a startup, it could be easy to get to lose motivation and to focus on the negativity or to focus on things that aren't going the way you want. But I think that if you're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and just stay optimistic and positive and just, okay, like, okay, we made a mistake here, not to dwell on it, but to learn from it and say, okay, how am I moving forward now? It's in the past, let's move forward and and find solutions so that it doesn't happen again. I think that that's really important. And I find that I I'm able to stay optimistic uh, most of the time. <laughs> and it's a nice trait as well, I think. Uh, I, I wrote down the bilingual uh, aspect because I, I had a feeling you were going to say bilingual, but I've, I've obviously was wrong on that one. Thing is, is most people are bilingual here, so oh, okay. I don't see it as a, I don't see it as a superpower because it is it is almost a norm here for people to to speak both English and French. Yeah, that makes sense actually. I mean, in the in the UK and in the US, when I when I was in California. Uh, people don't really speak uh, more than more than just English, which is uh, yeah. makes me a little bit sad. But I also understand why. So I only know a tiny bit of French. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough uh, language. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Okay, so if you had a choice, what would you choose, your phone or computer? That's tough because I like my phone for social media, um, but I prefer my computer for everything else. And uh, the number one book that you'd recommend? Miracle Morning. <laughs> are, you, are you getting commission for that one <laughs> <laughs> no i should though because i talk about it a lot <laughs> you should yeah <laughs> what business currently excites you that's a good question if you um, want i can ask the next one which might give you an maybe yeah inspiration on it uh the next one is what's the most exciting trend that you think is happening right now everything's sustainability related moving to less plastic the moving to alternate solutions um that help the environment it could be just clothes that we wear that's made of organic fabric fair trade all that stuff that's the future mm-hmm. and if i could change you know that's one thing about little life box that if i could if i could make it plastic free i would and hopefully we'll be able to you know make better changes to the box to help that aspect but definitely the whole um sustainability uh movement to more sustainable solutions is something that I think is great. Do you ask the uh, suppliers if they can do a, a plastic-free version? Go, we try to find companies that are, that do have um, eco-friendly uh, products or packaging. Not always easy, but I think if we have the option, we definitely try to go for the one that has the most, uh, the less plastic and the more uh, 
the more eco-friendly packaging. Okay, so we'll jump back now. Have you got any ideas for the most exciting business that, you, that you're currently most excited about? I don't know. Like I would say if, in terms of like everything e-commerce, I just think that the future is sustainability. The future is e-commerce and subscription boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just uh, think that whole world of, of you know, understanding consumers and, and buying online, people being able to buy online, that would probably be business. So it sounds I don't like know. <laughs> maybe not enough of those businesses exist. So maybe yeah. listeners out there, hopefully that would be a, an inspiration or an idea for you to start a yeah. business in that area. Yeah. What's your number one life hack? To-do list. To-do list. Okay. <laughs> and then last one, why did you get into business? I don't have an exciting answer to that. I would say that it, it was just a solution to a problem. It started personal. You know, it was because I wanted that product that didn't exist. I did the research, we created the product, but also found that it was a solution for people as well to possibly allow them to try healthy alternatives before spending the big money in the stores, not knowing if they liked it or not. And did you always believe you were going to start a business at some point or was it just something that just made sense at the time? No, it just made sense. Like, I feel like I do have a side of me that's entrepreneur for sure, but I need partners. I need people around me and I can work for, for somebody, um, not somebody that needs to run a business or be in control at all. It really just happened. Hmm. And I happened to be surrounded with people that helped me in that and were available as well. No, it wasn't always like a, an idea of mine that I would start a business. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think back and I'm like, could I could I be employed by someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I could, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult when you're, especially once you're in it, to go back to or to revert to working for somebody can be challenging. Mm, definitely. <laughs> But uh, Chelsea, that's all my questions. Thank you so much again for joining us on this episode. I I feel like there were some really good nuggets in here and I I can't wait to publish this one. So thank you very much. You've been listening to the Subscription Rockstars podcast brought to you by Subly, the number one subscription e-commerce platform. We appreciate you taking the time to engage with and listen to this podcast. Make sure you click subscribe to find out when the next Subscription Rockstar podcast episode is available. For now, keep rocking on.